0: I think uh, success is its a very, very hard to define term. Let me kind of divide this into like commercial success versus success um, as seen by your peers or success as you see yourself. And I think uh, as an artist, you should fail in all of them to be successful, honestly, because you need to doubt yourself all the time whether you're doing it correctly or not. It leads to research. It leads to creative thinking. If you think that you're successful all by yourself, I think you will stop at the first step. Art, like anything creative, is a struggle. If I didn't have this job, if I'm, you know, doing only this as full-time art, I'd be struggling. And I know that a lot of people struggling, you know. But that's part of the process.
1: hobby. I'm Ariana Roche and I interview artists that balance a full-time job and an art career. A special thanks goes to our sponsors, Eric Jarvis and Crushpad Productions right here in Houston. Uh, Today's guest is uh, Rahul Mitra. He was born in Hyderabad, India and is an artist living in Houston. His work is heavily drawing-based, mostly black ink on paper, through which he's created his own visual vocabulary.
0: I like painting on canvas, also, but it's a it's a task that uh, it feels like a task when it's done, whereas drawing, I don't know what I'm doing, but it ends up. Being something because it's more or less like your handwriting or you're writing something and only you're writing with pictures maybe in that sense it's fairly easy to handle and I think I've been doing this for a long time and initially I remember doing this uh, abstract forms and things like that on paper just to see what they are and all that in India there's a lot of abstraction in general then I gravitated towards making but a little bit politically motivated art in a way that, I mean, it's now also like I'm looking at the world as a, a big society to be documented, and that's what I think artists do.
1: He's the program director at the Center for RNA Interference and Non-Coding RNAs at the MD Anderson Cancer Research Center in Houston. He's looking at things on such a molecular level Testing out theories that might never come to fruition, and all the while looking at society as a whole and understanding how external forces can influence us on the microscopic level.
0: I think at some level we all suffer from some sort of chronic depression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't maybe you know we have our own coping mechanisms, uh-huh. or some company is there to tell you how to cope. By right. using their products, right? I mean, that's how it's become. Like every emotion that we have, I think humans have become the fine, uh, what do you call that, specimen for companies to study and work on and design. I mean, this is the height of our civilization in that sense. That where we are only catering to ourselves in a large way. There's a company that sells shirts that you don't have to tuck in.
1: Yep, it's true. I looked it up. There's a company called Untuck It, and their homepage describes that what makes them so unique in the world of men's fashion, it's their hemline. Apparently, the hemline is designed to fall halfway between the belt and the bottom of your pants zipper.
0: So it is just a shorter shirt. I'm wondering how, I mean, how ridiculous... Have we become in that sense?
1: Oh my god, we're too lazy to tuck yeah. talk in a sh-
0: and there is a company based on that. If you look at it, of course, you know, it's depressing to look at this and say because it, it promotes this attitude of I don't have that or I can't have that or I want it, and you know, that's that that's what the economy and this thing is, and. So I think that sort of thing definitely leads to a lot of bad chemicals in your brain. And we function largely, we are like a, however, electrical machine powered by chemicals and all these neurotropins and what brain is kind of emitting all the time. If they don't have a particular reason to be in our body, they're going to wreak havoc. And that's possibly is one of the causes for cancers and all these ailments that we have what i do is basically uh, contribute to uh, taking exact science that's a lab scale for a discovery or a drug or any kind of therapeutic and trying to see how to get it through to the clinic which involves several steps which might not occur at the lab level because they're not, uh, they're a completely different kind of set of things. Like, for example, converting what makes a drug a drug. It needs FDA approval. It has certain uh, specific steps. It has to be manufactured in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it has to have all this testing done on it, all that. So that's a whole nother ball ballgame. It requires an enormous amount of funding also. So that's a whole other thing. So my job basically is to... Um, d- Operate the day-to-day operations, you know, from everything from overseeing a bit of science, a lot of administration, fundraising, you know, grant writing. I work from nine to three um, intentionally because I have other things that I'm working on in the daytime. Because of those work hours, I think they are the most productive time Period. It's, a, it's a productive time period in anybody's uh, daytime because um, by nine, you're eager to get started on the day, right? And then by three, you're kind of worrying about like how to beat traffic. Working at a, um, at a number one medical center in the world has its own pressures. It's a fantastic place to work and it's unlike any other place. It's uh, full of creative energy. It's a lot happening. And it's exciting to be working on things that won't even see the day of light for another 10 years. So you're in the future world. You in a way you're making future as you're going. It's not without hurdles, right? It's a lot of work and a lot of interesting challenges. But that's what I love about this. It's not an average job where you go and do stuff and all that. No, you don't know what's going to happen. In the studio, I'm usually on the weekends, I spend a lot of time. And it's also, like all of us, it's project-based. And luckily uh, for me, ever since I jumped into art uh, professionally, never been a dearth of projects, so, which is kind of a nice thing. And it also uh, constantly motivates me to do things. And I, for some reason, I never have a notebook uh, to, you know, people do a lot of art notebooks. For me, it's an idea, it's a thought. It'll be on paper, and if I put it in a notebook, it just becomes a note, and I may never look at it again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I go back to that idea and say, like, whoa, let me kind of do this. And I think that's the problem uh, with I face, you know, in my practice that, uh, or not a problem, but that's my style of doing things, maybe. I like to, everything I'm doing is my notebook whatever I'm drawing, you know, since only I use larger papers, maybe. And I think that's what it is about uh, both art and science, that it is something that you can't force yourself to be thinking about because how do you force creativity? Or how do you force critical thinking or something? How do you force logic? Uh, It's almost like um, studio work on demand. You know.
1: I like that. Work on demand. Yeah,
0: work on demand. <laughs> <laughs> see that first science fiction movie you saw. It's the promise of the future.
1: Right.
0: right? Promise of something to come. It's promise of something good, something interesting. Um, that's, I mean, that's one of the coolest things, I think, to be able to be in that level where things, you see now how this whole, work that was done i mean i think it's just true for everything it doesn't just happen right so that's the interesting part and then the other part is that's the challenge like would it ever see the light of the day you know that's another part of it right? right you may work for 10 years it may or may not come true and i think that's where i kind of feel the intersection between science art or anything like you know it's the same thing with artists right it may work all your life. Would it ever see the light of the day? I mean, you're ahead of you're this thing, you know, your peers or society and state of art at the time. So uh, maybe you'll get recognition later in your life, you know, or when you die or something like that. I mean, the world is full of dead artists' work. You know, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, you know, if you have to be in like some fine arts museum, you should be dead for five hundred years. If uh, time were to be, uh, you know, a metric of how much, how productive or how your work would be, I, I don't know, it's a very tough, this thing. I don't think it's really, it's, it's uh, non-temporal, I think. You know, it's not based on time. It's based in time, rather, on time, because the distinction is that you're always in time, uh, so you're contemporarily doing stuff. And if you say, like, oh, it's, you know, in 10 years I'll achieve this, I, I think that's a very difficult thing, right? I can't predict it. And I don't want to either. I don't want to know the end result, maybe. Right. And I want it to be successful. I want it to be this thing. And this reason that it motivates you to work and gives you a framework to work in.
1: So to end, to end on a positive note, mm-hmm. maybe, since you see things that are in the works that might or might not see the light of day that you know, are being developed that are coming across your desk every day, um, is there a hopeful future?
0: My future is full of hope, yeah. and uh, that's because I feel that uh, we have overcome a lot of issues as a society, From the times that I grew up in India to now, I kind of feel that um, I thought the world was going to end when I was growing up. It was a vacuum. You know, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. It was devoid of a lot of things. And now here we are. Things are unbelievable. And they're always kind of feel like really in the future world. And so I always feel that there is really positive things um, that are happening. And uh, luckily, I'm very fortunate to be part of playing a bit of part in that future. Mm-hmm. So namely, for example, um, we're, we're developing an ovarian cancer drug that's getting into phase two eventually and all that. So that's a big thing. And if it works, if it helps, I mean, that's amazing. And again, it's the same thing with writing or art or something like that. I hope that uh, somebody who has a peace of mind will look at it in the future and may, may change their outlook about world and may be a reminder of what it was that they came from and the times it reflected and things like that. So I think future is always hopeful. Otherwise, we'd still be here.
1: Thank you for listening to this Not a Hobby. And a special thank you to Raul Mitra for being the guest on this episode. More Not a Hobbies are coming soon, but in the meantime... Uh, Check out our latest podcast series, The Art Dirt Podcast, uh, hosted by Rainy Knudsen and Christina Reese, as they discuss every other week uh, topical issues in the art world. Thank you, as always, to our wonderful sponsors, Eric Jarvis and Crushpad Productions, right here in Houston.